Welcome to Coach to Scale, how modern leaders build coaching cultures. I'm your host, Matt Benelli. Join me as we build a community of like-minded professionals who share the belief that effective coaching improves the performance of every team member. Our mission is to help leaders become better coaches. The Coach to Scale podcast is sponsored by Coachem, the world's first AI coaching execution platform that leverages evidence-based coaching to increase quota attainment. And with that, let's get started. Welcome, everybody. I'm excited to have the conversation with today's guest. He's someone that I've known for a long time, and he brings a wealth of experience to the table, and he tells great stories. Sean cut his teeth at Oracle. Uh, He then left and started his own business. He co-founded Tricor Solutions, where he and a partner built that business for just about 15 years. When that business sold, Sean took over as managing partner of ManageForce, which was bought by Centralogic, where he became head of sales. And currently, he's the CEO of Rapid4 Cloud and fellow BC Eagle, Sean Harmon. Welcome to Coach to Scale. Thank, thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we have, uh, have had a long history and go Eagles. Go Eagles. Uh, some some promise this year, but you know, not not exactly what what the Heights wanted, right? No, no. We'll uh, sure. leave that for another podcast. Uh, cry yeah. over some cry over some beer. So, Sean, you've been doing this for a while uh, in a, a sales role, sales leadership role, as a business leader role. You're a CEO. What is a myth when it comes to leadership? When it comes to salespeople? When it comes to coaching and leading salespeople that you believe is misguided or maybe even just BS? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there are a lot of myths out there, but I think one of the things I've learned as I've evolved um, from being sort of a pure play individual contributor, seller to a sales leader to, you know, an overall business leader is, you know, a lot of people have a perception that sales is easy and that um, that people that have the gift of the gift of gab or, or you know, the, the, the loudest person or the people like, as they say, that can command a room are going to be the best sellers. And, and I, I think that's that's a, a bad path to go down or a, sh- or a short term uh, strategy for any company. And I think the companies that have been in that have done well from a growth perspective have gained an appreciation for the uh, the science of selling and the profession of selling rather than um, sort of the show of selling. Um, so I, 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 you know, again, I, I, people used to always say like, as you came out of school, Oh, you're a people person, or you've got the gift of gab, you should go into sales or even, you know, more, more damaging. You're an introvert. You'd never s- succeed in sales. And, and I think, I think that's, that's where the, the, the myth or the mis misunderstanding is, is there's a lot more to do around strategy, um, intelligence and organization logic, um, Hmm. with sales than, than, than people really appreciate. And that drives your hiring. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. Um, I remember when I was coming out of school, my, um, you know, my people around me and my family, my mother, my grandparents, uh, they'd say, Oh, uh, you know, you would be great in sales or um, in in politics. You could be a senator, 
And, you know, come <laughs> to find out, like, cause I was a blowhard, right? I was that like <laughs> loud mouth, like want to be the life of the party and, you know, didn't really have, you know, I didn't graduate with a, you know, chemical engineering degree uh, from, from BC, you know, it was like, what are you going to do? And so maybe that's why salespeople and even worse, uh, Congress, Congress people have such a bad <laughs> reputation because there's such a, there's a bunch of blowhards um, in the business. But to your point, right, it's, it's not easy. And anyone who says sales is easy clearly has never done it. And I think every sales professional listening to this is going to give a, a quiet or even a loud amen to that. There's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of intellect. There's a lot of grit that goes into it. And you've talked about how some of those attributes shape your framework. Um, what is that framework that that's guided you along the way as you've built multiple businesses? Yeah, it's funny because I, I definitely use it as I evaluate uh, sales candidates. and, and um, But I realized that I, I, I actually use it when I meet people. Um, and I it, it falls into really four categories. Uh, the first one's work ethic. It, it is not going to be easy and anything worth having is worth working hard for. Um, so work ethic is really number one for me. Um, integrities, uh, you know, on, on my list. Uh, and I know that sounds sort of touchy feely or, um, may, I don't know, maybe preachy, but I, I just find that, you know, when you surround yourself, uh, with people of high integrity, um, very rarely, uh, do things go bad. Um, I, I think when, when people, uh, you know, with low integrity, you, that's another short-term plan. It might might allow for a quick win, but it's not it's not a long-term plan for success. Uh, the fourth uh, characteristic is loyalty. Um, I, I find that as I invest in people, um, both hiring salespeople, but also in you know friends and people I surround myself with, uh, it's got to be bi-directional. And, and to know that uh, somebody has your back and they know you have their back. I, I think is a is a is a key uh, for for long term success, and then I my fourth is intelligence, and I put that forth intentionally because I think there's all different kinds of intelligence. I I, I think you can you can mitigate or, or test uh, for intelligence certainly in 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 different jobs, but but again there are different types of intelligence, and most of what we do it's not about what people know but their willingness to learn and their curiosity to learn. Um, so that's the way I look at intelligence is, can we teach this person whatever the new element is to them? They have no experience there, but they have the aptitude to learn. So th those are really kind of the four things I hold myself accountable to, um, but really the four things I, I judge others by and, and hire against. And when you talk about work ethic, I think some people – uh, you know, I hear a lot these days, look, I, there's, there's life outside of work. I don't want to be working 80 hours, 90 hours, a hundred hours a week. Um, do you have to work 80, 90 hours a week to have a strong work ethic? Uh, absolutely not. In my opinion, I, I think there is an element to working smart. Um, but when the job, when there's a job that needs to be done, you can't avoid it. Um, you have to get the job done and be willing to put the time in. I, I don't know if there is really any such thing as true work-life balance. There's there's choices, um, but you won't be good at at anything if if all you do is work. Um, so I think you, you're probably a, a better example than me. But uh, you've pursued 
a lot of your outside interests. And I think it makes you better at what you do um, by maintaining, you know, that, that uh, things other than work in your life. But, but again, when it's time to work, you got to be willing to put in the time and, and um, you know, I'm not saying that there aren't times for 80 hour work weeks. Uh, certainly there are. Um, I, I also, you know, like to see somebody that when there's a job to do, they're the first in, um, but sitting behind your desk, just because you're there doesn't mean you have a strong work ethic. Yeah. Don't confuse activity with results. I was talking to a, a, a guy yesterday, young, young sales professional, and he shared, he was excited to call, share a story with me. It was November 30th, last day of the month. He was 80% of his monthly target coming into the month. And he had this one meeting that it was a long shot, but it was the only shot that he had. He's like, He's like, I said, I said a quiet prayer to myself. And then I got on the phone. I got there early, set the agenda, executed. And lo and behold, they bought. And he went from 80% of his monthly target to 110% or so. And he made up for the 2% shortfall that he had in October. So, yeah, so Q4 to date, he's a little bit ahead. Super excited. We talked a little bit more. And we were talking about confusing activity with results and the fact just that just because you're sitting in the chair. Uh, doesn't mean you're doing anything. And he said, you know, uh, I was told that uh, if, if I set two appointments for myself, if I set two appointments for myself a, a, a day as a sales professional, then that is going to get me to the numbers where I need to go. You know, that'll, on top of that will be gravy, like what may come in on its own, where BDRs may help me out, et cetera. And he said, um, you know, Tomorrow is today is is the first day of December, right? So that's when we're recording this first day of December. And he said, I, I got some friends coming into town. And he said, I am hoping to get out a little bit early. And I said, well, what time are you cutting out? And he said, as soon as I get my second appointment. And he said, if I get it by 10 a.m., I'm out. If I get it by noon, I'm out. He's like, if it takes me to 6 p.m. at night, uh, I'm not leaving until I set the second appointment. And so like that's controlling the beha the behavior. And I think what you would call working smart, uh, would, like, would that fall into Sean Harmon's category of working smart? Absolutely. I, I think, again, don't confuse activity with results for sure. Define the results and, and the outcomes will follow. Um, I, 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 somebody had once told me, you know, there's, there's in sales, it seems like more than anywhere else, there's so, there's so many uh, uh, sayings or cliches or, um, but you know, plan your work and work your plan it, is, is a great one because showing up, not knowing what you're going to do in a given day, that, that doesn't lead to, to results. Uh, so to, to take that extra 10 minutes, um, at the end of the day or first thing in the morning and, and plan your work, knowing that there's always going to be exceptions or interruptions, but if you have a plan, you can look back and, and if it's a lot more rewarding to see that you checked all the boxes in your given day, especially results oriented um, tasks, like, like the person you were talking about getting your two meetings. Um, so yeah, that, absolutely. That, that uh, jives with, uh, with, with what, you know, what I'm thinking around work ethic. Well, what about integrity? Cause it, 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 it you, your comment got me thinking there. If someone makes a commitment to themselves that they're going to set two meetings a day and they're not, they're not going home. They're not, you know, logging out until they do that and they stick to it. 
to me, like that's integrity. If they're like, if they cut corners every once in a while and say, oh, you know, I got to do this, I got to do that, they got a better offer, and they they cut out before they make the two meetings, is that person do they really have integrity? So when you know, because when you say integrity, I'm thinking, you know, is someone going to cheat and lie to get a deal or not? But is there some element of what are some of the other elements of integrity that we may not be thinking of right when we hear the word? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. When I think of integrity, I think of honesty, right? And that's what then immediately you think on an outward honesty. Um, you know, are you being honest about your solution? Are you being honest about, you know, whatever and trying to sell? So that that is part of it. Um, but I think honesty is also you need to be honest with yourself. Um, because you know, if, whether you're, you're going to the gym, take it out of the context of selling and, uh, you're like, I don't know what it is. I cannot lose a pound, but I work out every day and I eat right. And like, do you, or you just go to the gym and maybe you eat right, but you also eat wrong, <laughs> you know? So that's, <laughs> that's integrity, right? That's, that's being honest with yourself. So, um, it, it absolutely, that, that, that applies. Cause it, and I hadn't really thought of it in that context because, you know, you may say something that gets you around or over an objection that's not entirely true, or you may say something that's dishonest uh, to win a deal, and you can make yourself believe it's true uh, because you're so focused on the outcome. And the same thing happens with your habits. Um, you can make yourself believe that, well, I actually parked pretty far. <laughs> from the office today. So I got my steps in. So, right. <laughs> but that's not really being honest with yourself. Makes sense. Uh, the third one was loyalty. And look, you've had people follow you throughout your career. When you've gone from one business to another, you've got a core of people that have stuck with you and, you know, sing your praises because they believe in you because you've demonstrated that work ethic, that integrity, and that loyalty to them, uh, as well as a lot of other great people that we've had on the show, which, you know, they, they take people with them when they go places. Um, and so there's some loyalty there. What does loyalty mean to you? And, and, and also, like, is there a difference between loyalty and blind loyalty? Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, lo loyalty goes way back, you know, even to my childhood friendships that, um, you know, not, not streets, every of, day. streets of Quincy. Yeah. Yeah. The mean streets of Quincy. I actually, I was a product of uh, the streets of Quincy and Dorchester and I, I grew up in the soft streets of uh, Holliston, Massachusetts. Uh, but I think I had the grit in me from my, my parents. Uh, um, so the, the loyalty factor is that, you know, not every day is going to go perfectly um, and not every person's going to be perfect. And, I think loyalty is that you'll have their back um, or they'll have your back regardless. Um, but where the, the difference to me with blind loyalty is that you're not loyal to them no matter what they do necessarily. You may be in the moment, but you have through your loyalty, the ability to go back and let them know what they did wrong. Um, but again, you can count on those people and they can count on you is what, loyalty means to me. And as I move it out of the context of friendships uh, um, into business, it, you know, same thing, you know, business ebbs and flows. When we were back at Oracle, um, you know, we both had a mentor and John Boucher and, and he said that you, you should look at your success in sort of two year cycles. Cause if you kill it one year, 
chances are you're going to be rewarded with a smaller territory and a bigger number. And, and you may have cleaned the slate uh, in, in year one and year two, you're not having the same success. But when you look over the body of work, um, you, you're still doing well. And, and people know that. And um, so I think that's part of the loyalty is to be able to ride the highs and the lows together and, and, uh, and work together and trust each other that, uh, you know, it, it's not, it's not a relationship of convenience, um, or yeah. a relationship of a transactional relationship. It's longer term than that. And I, and I, and I do think that's one of the things I'm most proud of, quite honestly, not, not selling companies or, or, or how much I've made, um, or not made, but, uh, but the, the, the following in the group of people that together we, we've developed together and, whenever we get a chance, we, we come back together and that, that's, uh, that's comforting. So how important is that? So th- there's a, a lot of people uh, that listen, uh, a lot of, a lot of our clients, like people that are managers that are just getting started in the business and they're, you know, were promoted by somebody. Um, but a lot of the folks that are really successful that have been, that have a track record of success, they seem to have a group, a pack that they run with. And, you know, their, their circle and that circle tends to go broadly speaking, um, from, from place to place. How important is that? I I think it's important as an accelerant, (laughs) um, you know, because anytime you get to a new place, having to build a new team is really difficult and, and it's a pretty high risk model building a new team. So to the extent that you've developed a relationship and, you know, you know, the good and the bad and have that um, loyalty and integrity based relationship, it accelerates your time to success. In in my opinion, I, I I think, you know, I've seen it again, taking the sports analogy where, you know, my kids are playing soccer and uh, someone says the A team is set. And I said, well, how can the A team be set? You know, you've got all these new kids. Um, And they say, well, these kids have been playing together. That's my team. And I'm like, I think you, you always have to be open to bringing new people in. Like, I don't think you can just rinse and repeat and take your same team everywhere. Um, right. There's going to be, you know, ins and outs. And sometimes, sometimes like in a Jerry Maguire moment, you're like, who's with me? And for that person, <laughs> it's just not the right time for them to go. And and that's that's not a that's not a breach of loyalty. Um, it's just, it's not the right time. And, um, but when you can get those, everybody's lives and, and, and have the opportunity to have them come back together because you did the right things along the way, that, that, that is pretty powerful. And ultimately, like I said, it mitigates a lot of risk and, and uh, helps accelerate the path to success. And it's fun and rewarding to look back on uh, years later. Um, yeah. so, so that, so we talked about, um, the the first three like work ethic integrity loyalty and you touched on intelligence a little bit but and then you made a point to say there's different types we're not necessarily saying you have to be you know perfect s score sats um you know a huge large iq etc cetera, etc cetera. when you talk about intelligence what, what are can you dig into some of those elements you talked about curiosity a little bit and you talked about you know like willingness to learn and and you connected that with intelligence expand on that yeah, yeah. I, it's funny I, uh, when we talked about it, uh, talked about it in the past, um, and we talked about curiosity. I, I, I think I look at it as um, having the ability to learn and the willingness to learn, and a lot of that stems from curiosity, 
right? You you don't necessarily accept everything at face value and and you appreciate that other people have perspective. And by asking questions in the interest of learning, things can take on a completely different perspective. And and the the joke was I I I I love the show Ted Lasso, and uh, and there's a great scene if anybody ever wants to go watch it where he's playing darts and um, someone made an assumption that he wasn't any good at darts and uh, and he he went into a whole rant about curiosity and he said before you made that bet might it have been a good question to ask if I grew up playing darts and and you can totally not know the shot when if you were a little more curious. Um, You'd, you'd have the ability to learn a little bit more about the situation and you'd probably take a different direction. So that's, that's kind of a, a sort of a side rant to intelligence, but, um, but for me, the people have to be curious. Um, they don't necessarily have to have gone to the best school um, or have the best grades because there's a lot of different types of intelligence and they just have to be willing to learn. And most of what we do is teachable um, if yeah. the person's receptive. Um, so. Skills skills can be taught. Skills can yeah. be taught. Work, work ethic, uh, you know, um, intelligence. Not you can't necessarily you can't teach that. But if you have the basics and you're willing to learn and go the extra mile uh, and open to coaching, etc., um, all those skills can can be improved in, in this business. Uh, when I heard that train, I had a my cousin Vinny flashback. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. So, <laughs> um, so you, you recently started as CEO of rapid four cloud. I think you've been there about five months, six months or so. Um, and you mentioned when we were talking that you're putting that hunt that you, you had that hundred day plan. And I think there's a lot of folks here who've had of experience with a hundred day plan or something like it, or are going to need to do it. What did you, what are key elements of that for you? And what did you learn going through that process as you went into this role with a global company, like a company based not around here? Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is my first uh, experience to have the CEO role in title. Um, I think the folks that recruited me in um, right away said, don't worry about that. You've done all the aspects of it in, in your functions as managing partner or founding, um, founding other companies. So, but, but, but in reality, I knew that I didn't know everything about the business. And even if, even if I had been the CEO 10 times before, I think the, the hundred day plan is a really good one. And I, and I credit a, a, a guy I worked with, uh, uh, two companies ago, uh, Dan Vucinek, um, with introducing it to me. And, and it really stems around, you know, actively listening, getting out and talking to the people, uh, giving them an opportunity to be heard, um, then taking that which you you hear and you digest through conversation um, and analyzing that to identify gaps. A lot of those gaps will be articulated to you by the people. They'll be pretty quick to say what they're missing or what they need, but also, you know, based on, you know, my experience to be able to apply my experience now to say, well, geez, these guys, are, it's kind of a trees in the forest thing. If they, if they step back a half a step and go to the, go to the left, it, it's going to make their life a lot easier. Um, so that's, that's what I'm bringing to the table. So you do the active listening, you compile your observations, you layer in your experience and the feedback from those people. You develop a gap 
a set of gaps and then you develop, then you prioritize those gaps and then you develop the plan um, to fix those things. And, and the whole time it has to be, at least in our world, but I think any business, uh, it has to be with an eye towards, you know, growth and profitability. Um, so, you know, and I think a lot of companies, especially early stage companies where they're playing with other people's money, they lose sight of the fact that, you know, they, they, there's no such thing other than in baseball is if you build it, they will come. Um, you know, you have to have a plan that that drives revenue, that drives profitability or else you won't be around. Um, so the, the list is done and compiled as if money were no object. But then the prioritization is done with an eye towards, you know, the resources that are available to you. Um, ah, and and I really like the way you talk. That the initial analysis is, hey, if it, clean slate, if we could have anything, like what what would we need here? And then of course you have to prioritize how that goes. What what's the importance? How do you value, or what kind of premium do you put on the importance of meeting people and not taking into account what you may have been told by this, you know, senior leadership team through, through the interview process. Like what, what, what have you learned about that? It, you know, it's been a crazy time. And, and I think we've discovered the case in point right here, uh, technology um, can bridge the gap somewhat uh, from the face to face coming out of COVID. And we spend all day on zoom calls, um, but meeting people and, and, just seeing them eye to eye and having a conversation, being able to take a, 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 a as my kids say, take a beat and take a breath and, uh, and, and get, get to know what's going on in their, their side of their eyes. Um, you know, when you're doing zoom calls after zoom calls, you're not, there's not usually as much, um, personal talk and, um, getting to know people and definitely not taking, making any assessments on, on people based on other people's feedback. Uh, you know, because again, nobody looks at the person the same way. Um, sometimes there's other agendas that are in play. Uh, and, and I'll just use as an example here, my, my hundred day plan, a big part of it hinged on in the first 30 days meeting everyone. It's a small startup software company and there's no excuse not to with, the exception of the fact that 80% of the employees in our startup are in uh, Bangkok, Thailand. So lo logistically, there was a challenge in getting there. Um, but um, I guess it was it was probably in, around the 90th day that uh, that I finally got to uh, to Bangkok, and and it was it was just a game changer for me to to meet the people and see how much they cared, and they weren't just a number on a spreadsheet anymore. And it was really exciting to to hear what their career aspirations were and find out what made them tick as it pertains to, you know, RPA and AI and the things that we do. Um, I came away stoked, honestly, and I made some big changes in my strategy based on having a better understanding of the people I have, um, ah. which is pretty crazy. Absolutely. Is it true that Sean, that one night in Bangkok makes a hard man crumble? Um, all right. So, so you, 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 we were just talking about meeting people and the importance of that. And you know, you said that you may have had some uh, beliefs or some opinions that as you went and actually sat down, meet the met the people, understood the business. 
those opinions may have changed uh, slightly. Um, there's not enough time in the day. And, you know, you're flying to Thailand and back and like customers and all this. If you have a family, um, how do you look at, uh, how important is it to choose where you spend your time? It, it's the most important thing. Um, you know, I, I think that, that, and you have, but you have to be transparent with that. Um, because that mean? can come, well, I, I, I think you just have to set expectations that, um, you know, for us as a company, it's incumbent on me to sit, to, to set the vision and then to challenge people to say, is this activity, is this time contributing towards the vision? And if, and if you can't articulate that it is contributing to the vision, then is it something, is it a personal issue that needs to be addressed right now? Cause let's, you know, it's not always going to be, it's all about the vision, but in the workspace, if I don't clearly articulate the vision and then everybody has a chance to do a gut check to say, is this activity that I'm doing right now really contributing to my piece of the vision? Um, then you'll never get there. Uh, so, you know, I've heard, I've heard other people say that, you know, my job is to get there faster. And so he would challenge his, this particular person would challenge uh, um, anybody that came into his office. He would point to the board and say, is this conversation helping us get there faster? And there would probably be the vision, but that's a little extreme. Um, but, but I do think, at some level, you you need to understand and, and be where you are, I guess, is the, the reality of it is uh, um, right now we're here to work. Uh, we're here to, uh, you know, achieve the goals of the company. And are we, you know, let's wait till whatever time and we'll go bullshit about the Red Sox. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think it's really important uh, because it just goes back to sort of the habits and stuff that we talked about earlier and being honest with yourself is, uh, you know, there's room for friendships and, and uh, casual conversation at work without a doubt. Um, and you don't have to work 80 hours uh, to be successful, but let's, let's be where we are. You know, right. like, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Jim Rohn uh, famously said, you're you know, something like you're a product of the five people that you spend the most time with. And, and, what is what is your take on that? How is how important is it to determine who you spend time with and and how much time you spend? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, I know. I think I, I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think you have to be protective in some ways of uh, of who you let into that circle. Um, it's funny that, that that you mentioned that, and it was only a few days ago. A, a friend of mine, we were, we were just talking about life and. Uh, and he said, you know, the way I look at it is there's, there's three types of people that come into your life, really three types of friends. Um, there, there are friends for a reason, there are friends for a season, and there are friends for a lifetime. And, and I think when you surround yourself either in the work environment, I think you have to look at that, that some, some of it's transactional um, and you, you invest accordingly. Um, some of it may be a little bit longer term or, or you know, with, but still with a purpose in mind. But you know, the ones that you really want to invest in and spend time with are the, the ones that are there for a lifetime. And, and I don't think you have much control over that. Uh, to be honest, it's, it's sort of the way things happen. Um, 
and you, but being aware of it helps you prioritize uh, where you invest. Well, well, be being aware of it, and I guess we're using a, a flexible, broader definition of friends uh, in this case, but figuring out where and with whom you spend time, who you invest in, who you try to help get better, who you try to pull up, you know, even with clients, what, what, what type of clients get all of the company's resources or more of the company's resources, uh, it, because there only is so much time in the day. And over the past 10 years, we've analyzed top performers and the top attribute of top performers that, that we've studied is that they are maniacally protective of their time. And so like it, it all comes into, you know, what we're talking about, like work ethic, you know, working smart, um, you know, who you spend your time with, right. It's, it's all a function of that. So I, I, I really like how you frame that. What was that? Uh, friends for a reason, friends for friends. a season, and friends for a lifetime. And insert whatever other word you want for friends, clients, yeah. you know, employees, et, et cetera. Um, awesome. So, Sean, let's um, dig in and talk a little bit more about you. So, we, you, you know, we learned, you know, kind of what makes you tick, your philosophy. But, you know, who, who is uh, who's Sean Harmon here? Um, Sean, what's a, a key element of entrepreneurship that applies to sales and coaching? So when you think about the businesses that you built here, you're, you're an entrepreneur, but you've also been an individual contributor salesperson. You've been a sales leader um, and, and a CEO. What, what, are the, what are the elements of being an entrepreneur that you would like to see more broadly adopted by uh, business people? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, when I, it's funny when I think of being an entrepreneur, I, I think that's sort of a, you know, a badge of courage that that people take that I'm an entrepreneur. Um, but I also think in you know over the years, I've met a lot of people that fancy themselves as entrepreneurs, and and only to find out that they just didn't really get along well with others, and they maybe didn't operate well within a system. Um, so, so it's just, there's a level of accountability that that happens as a as a business scales, and a lot of times that's when the entrepreneur sort of loses interest. But, but I, but I think to me, uh, being an entrepreneur is uh, re- really being unafraid, or I guess you can be afraid, but willing to operate without a clear map um, to be able to blaze your own trail and and adapt to the situation with with the intent or goal of finding, ultimately finding your North star um, and then building something to scale. And I think realistically, the irony is you need systems to do that, um, to get to scale. So um, I think it's a bit of a misnomer that an entrepreneur is, is some, you know, swashbuckling person, but an entrepreneur that's successful in building a company to scale uh, understands that eventually you go from, trailblazer to dirt roads to hopefully highways. And yeah, they may lose interest at that point um, and want to go start it over again, like get climb back into the escape room. Um, But that's, that's the goal ultimately is to, to leverage that fearlessness um, to be willing to go and blaze, you know, trailblaze. But in order for it to ever scale, you have to accept that the processes that are required to do that in in their systems. Does that make sense? yeah, no, it does. I mean, look, you you can't uh, scale if you're post holing um, or, or or bushwhacking. You, you eventually have to find the 
the trail or, or the highway, uh, as, yeah. as they say, and the systems will, will help you do that. What's a, what's a big lesson learned that you've had along the way? Something, you know, one of those classic cliche, I wish I knew, uh, you know, then what I know now type of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like when I've been fortunate in that the things that I've done are the products and services that I've sold. I really believe in them. Um, and I think in some ways what I've, I've always gone in is maybe with less of an eye towards what's the true addressable market. What is, what is the true ideal customer? And a lot of times I, my belief is everybody's a prospect. It's not if, but, but when, and I think one of the lessons I learned now um, is, is again, it has to do with time management um, in, in organizational skills and technology enabling it, quite frankly, is that if they're not a prospect right now, yeah, they may be down the line, but, um, but you can maximize your efficiency by really knowing your targets. And, you know, folks I've worked with in the past be like, Shaw, why are you going back to meet with that company again? And I'm like, cause I just know they're going to buy my product. And, and I should have cut the line a while ago and just, you know, Re, re, got some more bait and dropped into the line. So that's a it was a really hard lesson for me that uh, just believing everybody is going to buy from me. I don't think that's a bad mindset to have, but then you have to really aim for the button, as they say, um, and and not just keep spraying and praying. Yeah, not mindset. Not everybody's qualified to be uh, your customer. Uh, right. They got to they got to show evidence. They got to they got to work to convince you of that so that you feel good about investing the time that it's going to take to, to get that deal across the line and bring that customer on board. Um, how about a mistake or a regret? Yeah, that, 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 that's an interesting one. Cause I do, you know, I do try periodically, you know, I, I make my annual, uh, my annual goals list and, uh, um, maybe I'm able to rationalize things, but I don't, I don't really have a lot of, regrets professionally. Um, you know, I think I've made moves and zigged and zagged along the way. And I, I don't look back and say, woulda, coulda, shoulda. I don't think there's a lot of value in that. Um, I do I do think uh, there are times where I'm a sort of, <laughs> maybe I don't know if it's akin to being stubborn or if, if I'm a man of principle, but I've, uh, I've made decisions that I believed were- Probably both. On- yeah, yeah, probably both. Um, and, and I made decisions based on principle that um, I probably could have held held on a little bit longer, and uh, it it would have uh, it it would have um, turned out pretty well. Uh, you know, I walked away from some opportunities based on principle, and uh, and and again, a great you know on, on a much more micro level. Uh, there's a woman, Patty Lewitt, who you may or may not know from uh, from Oracle. And she was a senior sales rep when I was coming in as a junior sales rep. And I butted heads with the manager all the time. And it would come out in the forecast meeting. And and one day I was, you know, steaming and uh, standing outside the uh, office and and she walked by and she was she was my she was like assigned as my sales mentor. And she said, you know, Sean, don't overthink this, but 
sometimes just keep your mouth shut. Work is not a place to win on principle. <laughs> it's just not the place. He's your boss. And uh, so it's a balance there. But I think sometimes I've let uh, principle get in the way when I could have just taken a breath and, and let the moment pass. And and, uh, and I probably, uh, you know, my, my, right. my, my reaction was uh, more, more, more finite <laughs> or definite than it needed to be. Well, we got to we got to take those those nuggets when they come. Um, you're at you're at uh, Rapid Four Cloud now. You're CEO. You've been there five months. What what does Rapid Four Cloud do, and what attracted you to the opportunity? It's a great question. Um, so what what Rapid Four Cloud does is they've developed a, a SaaS based software tool um, that leverages RPA or robotic process automation and AI. Um, so really robots, smart robots, uh, software robots to help clients move from traditional on-prem applications, uh, like the Oracle e-business suite to Oracle's cloud applications. And for anybody in the space, that's, it's apples and oranges. It's not, there's not a clear migration path. It's a, it's a re-implementation <laughs> and, a tremendous amount of work in that implementation is data entry um, and, and people intensive. And anytime you have data entry, it's expensive, it's wrought with error. Um, and our tool truly delivers uh, that, that data entry component and reduces an implementation in some cases by 70%. Um, so having grown up at Oracle, then got into the services side, the, the system integration and implementation side and, and managed services side. When I was approached by the investors at Rapid for Cloud, I was like, yeah, wow, that sounds cool, but it's too good to be true. Like, that's just, that, like, it just doesn't, why it doesn't exist. And then when they told me PwC uses it, IBM Global Services uses it, on and on, um, my question was, why, why, why aren't you bigger? Um, and they said that's why that's why we're talking to you is we we you know we we're founder founder run and um, he's a technologist and we really need a go to market uh, strategy um, to stimulate growth. So I couldn't be happier. I was you know I was a little bit like I was excited but skeptical. Um, but now that it just makes it makes it easy to get out there and get excited with the customers, with the employees, uh, and with the prospects. So I'm having a lot of fun. So I know if someone wants to get a hold of you, they could go to um, go to LinkedIn, Sean Harmon. But what? How do if they wanted to learn more about Rapid Four Cloud? How do they do that? Yeah, so actually, um, they can go to our site, RapidForCloud.com. Um, they on that site, there's a lot of information, including uh, some online tutorials. Um, but just by virtue of the fact, if they click, um, we'll, uh, click on uh, more information, we'll get to them or they can feel free to give me a call directly uh, as well. All right, and that's Rapid, the number four cloud, right? Exactly, .com. All right, so a um, couple more questions. Uh, we'll close out here, two questions. So, you know, with Coach to Scale, we talk a lot about coaching and leadership and the things that we've been talking about today. Usually people who care about that type of stuff, like yourself, were the recipient of good coaching somewhere along the way. Tell us about a time where you had some great coaching, by the way, whether you liked it or not when you were getting it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, you know, again, the work ethic thing, maybe it seems cliche, but I, I, in thinking about this, uh, and I'm sure it it wasn't his expression, there's probably somebody very famous who who said it, but uh, I I was, you know, I was a decent soccer player growing up, and I think during practice, I was goofing around, and my coach grabbed me by my shirt collar and said, you know, Sean, one thing I want you to never forget, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, and I was like, you know, what the hell does that mean? And, uh, but I've just seen it over and over again. And, and there's nothing I love more than seeing a talented person get beat by a hardworking person. Um, and that just was always in my head. There's always somebody better than you and, you know, work hard at, you know, at, at practice there's, there's work hard when no one's watching. Um, so that, that's one thing that stuck with me. And, uh, and anytime I felt like I was up against a learning curve work-wise, I just knew that if I kept working hard, um, I, I ultimately I would I would win. Um, so that that's one thing that uh, that really stuck mm. with me. Um, and I mentioned it earlier, but it was uh, a sales leader at Oracle because I was sort of flapping, um, trying to figure out my territory. Who do I call? There wasn't this was there wasn't a lot of technology, believe it or not, supporting what we did at the time. And in that you know in in this. This person told me that uh, that was the one that came and said, you know, really, do you have a plan? If you have a plan, work your plan. You know, have a plan, work your plan. Have a plan, work your plan. Um, so that that's anytime. Like I, I've been on a plane going to a big meeting, and I'm like, oh, I didn't do, I didn't do a call plan yet. And the call, mm-hmm. you know, a call plan seems like a trivial thing, but when you walk through what you expect the outcome to be what is your plan for the call and then you drive the meeting towards your plan the outcomes almost always positive um proper planning prevents piss poor performance yep 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 good old marine corps what what about one of those crazy stories from from the past something that happened years ago you're like you kind of maybe even shrugged it off back then but today you're like man i can't believe that happened yeah, I, I probably have some that aren't aren't fit for no no mo <laughs> no moped stories yeah. no no Napa stories. I I do have you know I, I guess uh, I guess sort of like Ronald Reagan says uh, in sales uh, trust but verify um, is is the theme of this story and um, in 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 Boston anybody that sold technology probably has tried to or has sold to a company called Iron Mountain and we we were small. Um, consultancy Oracle partner at the time and just through actually, you know, one degree of separation, we got a meeting with the CIO and the CIO had us come in and he said, I've got an hour for you. And he, within 20 minutes of us talking, he said, hold on, I want to bring, based on what you said, I want to bring somebody else into the meeting. So he calls and, and has this other person come into the meeting. And it was just one of those meetings, Matt, that, uh, you know, hopefully we've all had, but I was gold, you know, everything that came out of my mouth was, was perfect. And, uh, and the, every question that was teed up, I'm like, yep, I'm glad you asked that because we can do, and we went through this, this meeting. And then at the end, the guy that he brought in who owned the Oracle applications, uh, decisions and responsibilities, he said, Hey, I'm really sorry, but I've got a really important meeting that I got to go to, but this was great. And myself and the, the practice leader that was, uh, um, that was in the meeting with me, 
we walked out, we're high five, like we're trying to contain ourselves because we're like, that couldn't have gone better. And um, and we come out, they, at the time, Iron Mountain's headquarters were uh, right next to Cell Station. And uh, so we come out of the building and it's a nice summer day and uh, we cross the street and we're walking back to where we parked. And this guy that had a hard stop and a critical meeting, I look down, he's laying on a bench <laughs> with his headphones on, um, eating a sandwich. And uh, I'm like, you bastard. <laughs> He wasn't even listening. On it? Did you call I, him I, on it? No, I, I, I would love to say the punchline of it. I pulled his earphone out and said, "Hard stop, huh?" Um, but I didn't. We, we, we kept walking, and uh, I said to the other guy, "Did you see who that was?" And he goes, "No." And, uh, and so we had a pretty good laugh. Needless to say, uh, we, we never got a deal there. But uh, shocker. But trust, trust, but verify. You know, customers. Um, you know, I'm not saying they lie to you, but they don't always tell you the truth. And uh, I think you, you can't, you, you always got to do your check downs and, and have a, have a, have a plan for when you get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. Not, not calling them out. You got to add that to your regret list. That's yeah, I guess that, that's yeah, sure yeah, enough. Sure. Call them out. I got him back up. I got him back up in Napa Valley at cloud at uh, open world though. So <laughs> same comes guy. around, what comes <laughs> around, goes around. Um, Sean, listen, this has been great. We, uh, we learned, we learned a ton. We talked about work ethic, loyalty, integrity, intelligence. We talked about the importance of the hundred day plan and what you learn along the way and meeting people and, you know, uh, reconfirm something that we see all the time, which is that, uh, you know, um, you don't necessarily need all the talent. You just got to grind it out. And, uh, and, and it, we, we, it's a great, great reminder there. Uh, any last minute advice especially for the, the leaders that are just coming up, just getting started? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, again, don't, don't forget where you came from, right? Um, I, I think uh, for me, I, I think having, having some empathy for how hard the job is, um, is worth its weight in gold. And, and when I say having empathy, it doesn't mean – going easier, letting people off the hook or not, not having accountability. But um, there's nothing harder than being a, a, a junior level or an, in, you know, startup salesperson whose boss makes it sound like everything's easy. Um, so ha having some empathy, uh, knowing how hard to push, but then to uh, um, let them know you're human too, um, I think goes, goes a long way. Um, and then it goes back to those four things again. Um, if they see, that you're working hard, uh, if they see that you operate with high integrity, and if they know that you have their back, um, I think you you'll build sales teams that will follow you for a long time. Hmm. Well, that's a that's a great lead from the front. That's a great place to leave it right there, Sean. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Matt. This is fun. I appreciate it. Uh, awesome. Anytime. Um, and thanks to all of you uh, out there. If you're tuning in and you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Uh, also. Uh, it would mean a lot if you could leave a rating on the show, either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or if you're watching the full video on YouTube, wherever you're consuming it, leave a comment. Tell us what you like and what you don't like and what you'd like to see more of. Um, love to hear from you. And those likes, that engagement helps the show grow, helps build the audience that we want to build so we can share the best information with you. Uh, with that, again, Sean, thank you very much. And uh, for everyone else out there, until next time, coach them if you want to keep them. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Coach to Scale, How Modern Leaders 
build coaching cultures. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at coachem.io. That's C-O-A-C-H-E-M dot I-O. And follow us on Twitter at coachemnow. See you all next week. Thanks for joining. And remember, coach them if you want to keep them.